In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about the importance of doctrine. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Ambry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How are you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing today? Uh, well, it's been exciting at my office. It's been exciting for the last few weeks, yes. Hey, I understand there's big news about the, the Upward Calling podcast. Well, I tell you what, we, we've we've passed 4,500 downloads, and that's a big deal. I think my mom deal. is responsible for 2,500. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. It is a cool thing. We've been doing this a little over a year now. I get a lot of people who talk to me about this. Again, a lot of people, two or three people a week will tell me something about the the, the podcast and what it's meant to them. That's cool. I that like is, that. that I think that's something that, that I really appreciate. So anyway, anything you wanted to say about that? No, I'm happy to do this. Uh, I, I actually look forward to this time together every week. Uh, you, you, you think of things about the sermon that I don't necessarily think about. And so it's nice to um, kind of hash through some of these things together. Well, good. I'm glad. I couldn't do this without you. We're talking about the, the, the sermon that you, that you preached this last time. You talked about really the idea of different doctrines. It's difficult to wade through this because when I was growing up, we had something called gospel meetings, but gospel meetings could be about almost anything. I'm not even sure I know exactly what the gospel is anymore because we've kind of labeled everything with gospel. So let's start here. What is the gospel, Josh? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, many, and probably most that are listening to this, have heard the terms that the gospel is is good news. Yes. Um, I was having a, a recent conversation in the parking lot with uh, with Katie Owen, one of our sisters. And yeah. so happens, I am going to be teaching the auditorium class and teaching Romans. Yeah. And Katie and I believe Chelsea Flores are going to be teaching the high school girls and they are teaching Romans. And of course really? the gospel is is central to the book of Romans. But Katie was sharing how she had uh, found in her study and I have since corroborated that one of the ways in which the term gospel has been used throughout time is the announcement of victory. If a mm-hmm. king has a victory, he sends his heralds forth and here is the victory. Mm-hmm. And that certainly fits uh, Scripture. For instance, uh, Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way the Lord makes straight in the desert a highway for our God. And, and it goes on to how every valley shall be lifted up. But this is a, a proclamation of good news, if you will. This is a proclamation uh, of the Lord's victory. Mm-hmm. And even the, the crucial text in Romans, uh, the, one of the passages that we know so well in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, we're going to unpack that in our, in our Bible class. But you see, again, this idea of the announcement of victory, the announcement that here is salvation. Now, there's more to it, because when it even mentions that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, 
that idea is really God being righteous as he holds to his promise. And he had promised all the way back to Abraham, he would bless the nations through Abraham's seed. Well, it's the gospel, this proclamation of victory, of good news that shows how God has fulfilled his promise. So I even tried to touch on this um, at the end of Sunday. There's a lot of things that we do talk about that are part of the gospel. Uh, When we talk about authority, that is a part of the gospel because the gospel proclaims that Jesus is king. That's Mm -hmm. a part of the good news. So I live under the authority of a king. When we talk about morality, well, the gospel proclaims that I've been cleansed and that I can now be holy. Well, that's why morality and how we live is a part of of the gospel. The gospel talks about acceptance and, and reaching out to people who are different than us because the gospel is for all people. It's victory for all people, right. not just for one type of people. So that is, you know, so we, we can look at it beginning with the very narrow concept of oh, gospel is good news. Right. But it's more than simply saying Jesus lived and Jesus died. That is the crux of it. But that good news filters out then into really most of the Christian walk, if you will. I, I'm reminded also of 1 Corinthians 15, where, where Paul talks about, I, I, I preach to you the gospel that which I received. And, and really what he's talking about there is the resurrection and how, how Jesus is king. And, and part of the kingship is, is because he was resurrected. That, that, that's, that's what he understood. So does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The question you started off with was, who are we trying to please? In some ways, it's it's kind of a trick question because we know who we're trying to please. The obvious answer is God. Should we intentionally antagonize others if we're trying to please God? Uh, absolutely not. Okay. So I'm going... <laughs> okay. Uh, if... If you don't know by now, uh, whenever I'm whenever I'm studying something or teaching something, a lot of my answers are going to come from what I'm currently studying. So when I sure. was studying and teaching Hebrews, we talked a lot about Hebrews on this podcast, even though you never asked me a question about Hebrews. Well, I'm in <laughs> Romans now, and so uh, a lot of the answers that I have are, are from Romans. But right. I think this is a great one because here is Paul... And he knew that the Judaizing teachers of his day were dead wrong. They were, they were, that's what, that's what Galatians is about, which we've been talking about in the sermons. Okay. This is a different gospel. And he knew that those who proclaimed a different gospel were accursed. Did Paul take any pleasure in that? Absolutely not. And so even as Paul unpacks the gospel in the book of Romans and shows how that the gospel reveals how Jew and Gentile can be saved, yet he's also dealing with the reality that most of the church, particularly the churches he's writing to, are Gentile Christians. Right. There's not a lot of Jews in those congregations. Were they not sincere people? Absolutely they were sincere people. And so later in the book, Paul talks about his knowledge of just how sincere his Jewish kinsmen were. So he says in Romans 10 and verse 1, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Mm -hmm. So if we look at that, what that means for us, 
do we need to be aware of other doctrines? Do we need to be even concerned about other doctrines? I would say absolutely yes. However, if we're not careful, then believing we are correct in doctrine leads to a false pride, which is one of the issues that Paul had with, with the Jews at that time. They had a false right. pride in the fact that they had the law. And so we need to be compassionate toward others. We not, My goal is not to antagonize. I have to be true to what I find in the Word of God. That's, right. that's where all of our ultimate uh, loyalty lies. But when we find those who differ, the thing is not to immediately you know, assume, oh, they, they clearly don't care about God. Otherwise, why do they believe or teach this? Uh, I don't think that's helpful to them, and I don't think it's helpful to God's cause either. I completely agree. I, I also I also think about what I understand now versus what I understand uh, what I understood when I was younger. Your understanding just changes over time, and and it's it's important as somebody who's older. You, you, and I know we'll talk about this, but as someone who's older, you probably have thought through things a little bit differently, and you probably grown through some of your Christian understanding. And you need to give allowance for other people to have the same journey. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think we'll come back to this in another another question, but that's what Romans fourteen and fifteen are about. You know, this this call to accept and tolerate and understand is based on you are not in the same place. I may have shared this in the podcast before, but a friend who who preaches over in, in Kissimmee, Mark Copeland, yeah, once once gave to me I, I think a real a real aid in my understanding of others and how I view and treat others. If I think of people in in, in different churches who maybe do not practice everything that I find in Scripture or believe everything that I find in Scripture. It's only an insult to say that they're not believers. One, it's, it's not it's not true. Do they believe in God? Absolutely. Their their yeah. faith in God and the in the assurance that God is and that their trust in Him may very well be as strong or even stronger than than mine. Okay. So, are they believers? Yes. What Mark told me and what we would do well to remember is. We're not simply called to be believers. We're called to be disciples. And so if I look at it from that standpoint, then then when I find someone who maybe their knowledge is incomplete, maybe they're mistaken about something, are they believers? Yes. If they're disciples, though, what disciples do is as they gain more knowledge, then they practice what they learn. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the kind of mindset we need to have toward those who... Maybe their understanding isn't accurate. Maybe their practice is not what it should be. Right. But if we can instruct and, and do so lovingly, then if they're disciples, they're going to learn and they're going to grow. Yeah. Uh, you talked about understanding and applying scripture to understand doctrine. Uh, this can be tricky because as we grow, we understand more. How can we disagree in interpretation? And still be in the same church. I mean, the fact of the matter is sometimes we will come to different conclusions on some some ideas. Yeah. So let's let's start with this with a a, a scriptural example and one that's pretty important for the New Testament. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And for those who haven't yet come to this understanding, when you read the New Testament, the predominant false doctrine that you deal with is that of the Judaizing teacher, that of right. the idea that to be saved, you had to keep the law, you had to keep circumcision, and this was not. This didn't matter who you were, Jew, Gentile. So, so much of what Paul writes and deals with is about that crucial topic. And you know, steady yourself, prepare yourselves. You're going to get a big dose of that when we when we study Romans. Okay. Sure. So we come to a chapter like chapter 14 of Romans. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he may be upheld, for the Lord uh, is able to make him stand. And, And he goes on from there. So there is an issue here. Is there a right or wrong? Yeah, there is actually. Paul makes the case, and the apostles even made the case in Acts chapter 15, that they are not saved by Moses. They are not even held under that anymore. They are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Right. But Paul knows that there are some members in the church there in Corinth, I'm sorry, in Rome. They can't get past their Jewish past. Right. That they still are going to observe certain days, and they think they need to. They think that this is is what God would want them to do. They're still not going to eat certain things out of conviction that this is what God wants for them. Right? Were they right in that conviction? No. But Paul's advice to them was: let them grow, let them come to an understanding. Don't think that you've got to force your idea, uh, and which was a correct notion about Gentiles serving the Lord, that no, we don't have to abide by these restrictions that were found in the law. Here they are doing it. Let them. Now, the issue becomes, and unfortunately, you know, in the last few decades, there have been you know, some, some fairly large controversies regarding Romans 14 and 15, because the question is, well, what about things that God has clearly said, yes, no, right, wrong? Is there still room in Romans 14 and 15, you know, to say, oh, well, you know, they may not be doing it right, but we're not going to judge. We're going to accept. Right. Well, I, I do think we're dealing with something different in Romans 14. We, we are dealing with people who are having to learn and having to grow and, and, and truly appreciate what Christ has done for them. So the answer to the question is there's not a full answer. It kind of all depends on the issue we're talking about. There are some things that, that the Lord is pretty matter-of-fact about. Right. And we need to accept that, and we need to yeah. follow that. We need to follow those best we can. Even then, in the application, there may be differences of application. You know, modesty has always been one of those issues. We know from Scripture that we should dress modestly. How does that look? You know, what does that mean as far as how little clothing I might wear in the summer? What does that mean for what I do wear when I come to worship? Each one of us is having to look at the principles of Scripture and say, this is in keeping with principle, and this is how I'm going to live my faith. Now, are there some things that, you know, we could all say and look and say, well, no, no, shouldn't do that. Yes, absolutely. But there's others that we're going to have to let them stand before their own master. And, and and try to teach and encourage as best we can. Yeah, you're right. And 
you're talking there about judgment and and recognizing that whatever decisions you make, uh, you're going to have to be able to justify your decisions before God. Uh, you know, the, the the beautiful part about that is you know your motivations, and so does God. So you can't hide behind a standard that you just want because you want that standard. You're going to have to justify it. Uh, that's that's important for us to do and to understand. It's, it's kind of like my mom and dad when I was growing up. They knew when I was lying. I don't know how. They just did. And so I, I think they they also understood probably the motivation behind my lying as well. Was I was I trying to cover my tracks or was I trying to cover my brother's tracks? And they would probably treat me a little bit differently based on that. That said, there are some things that we just don't have full revelation about. We don't. The, the, I use, quite frankly, examples in this arena where the examples themselves I don't see a real difference. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I have a good idea about what, what that is exactly. And I don't know that if I understood it one way or the other, that it would change very much. I think I would probably have to act exactly the same way if it is a literal indwelling or if it is a figurative indwelling by understanding Scripture better. That that's how the, the Spirit indwells you, is having well, understanding we're have Scripture. have a wonderful discussion in a few weeks then. <laughs> But I think one of the things that that uh, I'm th- there are things you're going to have to recognize. There are we don't understand some things because God did not reveal them. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I do absolutely. You are really kind of in this lesson pointing to the idea of unity in doctrine. However, a lot of this goes to intention and not necessarily perfect law keeping. How do imperfect people with an incomplete understanding act out of grace and love with one another, especially when we disagree? The incomplete understanding is is key here. And I, I think I've probably shared here, and if not, I've definitely shared it in, in public forums before. If you were to ask me what my favorite verse in the Bible is, I would somewhat jokingly, but not not all the way, uh, respond with Deuteronomy 29, 29. Mm-hmm. The secret things belong to the Lord. That which is revealed is for you and I. Okay. We need to remember that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that we don't know. That said, what has been revealed, we're supposed to try and follow. Right. That That's, that's the will of the king. What has been revealed uh, is supposed to unite us. Yeah, uh, that's Paul's point in Ephesians four when you go through those those series of ones beginning in verse four, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and, and you go on down the list. Paul did not list those out for the sake of you know saying, okay, see here's the one baptism. It's not infant baptism. It's not sprinkling. It's it, no, that may very well be true in, in the case, and we can make a point from that. But his point was in the church with Jew and Gentile in the church, you need to remember what unites you is so much greater than the things that could possibly divide you. Right. And doctrine is of such importance for this reason. Yes, there are things that we may disagree about. There are ways of applying scripture that we may not be in complete harmony over. Right. I think though that when we say that, 
people are tempted to, to think that, oh, well, they, they actually are saying that we can't really know. No, that's not exact. That's not it at all. I think we can know with surety most of what Scripture is saying and, and what that means for us, that we can be united and we can agree upon this. Is there still areas of interpretation and, 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 and figuring out how to apply this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I don't think God left us in a state of confusion. I, I think he left us with his word. And when we come to appreciate that, yes, we, we are in agreement on these things, that should unite us. And therefore, there should be grace and mercy and uh, patience and understanding as people are living and growing in their faith. I agree with that. I I think about, again, when you think about the first century Christians and the first century Jews, for that matter, they had such an idea of who the Christ was going to be. And yet Jesus comes back and he says, I'm sorry, you messed this up. You didn't understand this. You didn't understand when the Lord says to my Lord that David is talking about somebody who is greater than him and David is the king and he's talking about a king over him. That, that there are things that you did not understand, that you understood imperfectly. And I think that the, the beauty of this is, and, and you're welcome to disagree with this, salvation is not built on perfect understanding. Salvation is built on grace. But it does have to do with, are you trying to understand and are you trying to be a child of God? Recognizing that you're still going to mess it up. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Well, I, I, yes, because... You think of, all right, so for Corinthians, the, the, the Corinthians are, are the example that always comes to our mind. And we may even think of some of those examples out of Revelation. And you've been in a class that studied through Revelation. Yeah. You look at some of the problems in those churches, and yet God did not say they're not my people. Right. So they're my, they're my people, and they got some things they need to change. They, they, they should grow beyond this, and they should not be engaged in these things, and there needs to be some repentance here. But even in that, there's a lot of grace and mercy coming from God because they were clearly not existing within His will, and yet God still saw them as His people. They were His people that were in danger of judgment, right? But they were his people, and he's giving them time to repent and make changes. So I think we could all do well in in being a little more patient and understanding with each other and, and trying to help each other grow rather than just simply smacking someone down because they they voiced a contrary uh, opinion or view of something. Right. And I, I, I would say this as well, and I, I think you would agree with this as well, is check yourself. Do you really believe what you think you believe? And 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 can you defend why you believe what you believe? It's, it, especially in, in times when we are in conflict, sometimes we want to win without thinking about what we're fighting for and why we're fighting. Um, I, I can only think again. I've, I've been. I, I can't tell you how many fights I've been in with Katie, where I'm where I'm thinking, are we really fighting about laundry? Because we're not. And and sometimes it's two pig-headed people that are fighting about pride. And that's that's a that's a stupid place to be, but it's where we find ourselves sometimes. And be sure that what you're fighting for is number one worth fighting for. And number two, that you understand your position on this. Do you understand what I'm saying, Josh? 
No, I, th- I think we're in, a, in agreement here. Some of this even goes back to the, you know, the the point of Jesus in Matthew seven about you know, judge not that you be not judged. He's not saying there you don't care about these things. And right. There's not truth. No, he is saying though. Work on yourself. Make sure you're in right right standing, and you're aware of your own faults and your own right um, the, you know, areas uh, that you need to grow. And then you can, in humility and with love, help somebody else. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Um, before we get into a fight here, Josh, because I don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> do you know what you're going to be talking about next time? I am. I'm, we're going to talk about one of those terms because you're always good to, to ask questions like this. You know, we, we talk about a term that you and I may have heard all of our lives, and yet we have to remember, all right, there's a lot of people that may not even know what this term is. So we're talking about a concept that's pretty central to the Bible mm-hmm. that maybe we don't understand, and it's the idea of covenant. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay. Well, I look forward to talking about that next week then. Sounds good, Kenny. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we referenced in this episode is in the show notes. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.